jeez. Well, we're going to do something a little different. Um, I've just kind of been itching to get into the study. So I told uh, Jim, hey, let's just do a couple songs so we can get into the study. And then uh, I really, I've been thinking about this for a while, and I just let Jim know about it yesterday. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I was thinking of when we got to chapter 6 of Romans, and I just wanted to have communion with you guys um, after, you know, just kind of going through it. And so that's what we're going to do this evening. We're going to go through... Uh, the study, and then at the end, we're just going to have a sweet time of communion. Don't know exactly how it's going to go yet. We'll see when we get there. And then uh, hopefully it'll just be as sweet as what my little pea brain is thinking about here. So I'm excited. Excited to be back in the book of Romans. We're in the book of Romans chapter 6. I know I was here last week, but I feel like I've been gone forever, even though I was here last week. On, I, I was gone two Sundays, which I hate doing. But be that as it may, back on track, I think, <laughs> so far. <laughs> but um, anyways, last week we did cover the first part of chapter 6 of Romans. And we will finish it tonight. And, um, and so we'll get into it in a little bit. Uh, we've moved into the subject of sanctification. Um, the word sanctification means to be set apart. And it, and it actually means uh, having been united together in the likeness of his death and also in the likeness of his resurrection. Because of that, righteousness or right standing with God has now been imparted, imparted to us. It has now become a part of our lives. Sanctification is different than justification, as I've <clears throat> shared last week. That justification is that one-time act that you have been made righteous by the God, by, by the judge himself, whereas sanctification, it's more of a process that we're going through. We have been uh, sanctified. When we got saved, we are being sanctified, and we will be sanctified at the end. And so now this righteousness has been imputed into our lives, into our account, is now being imparted to us on a daily basis, day in and day out. There's righteousness that is, that is being, be, being or becoming a part of our lives day in and day out. And the more we walk with Jesus, the closer we should be feeling with Him. I think I shared with you guys, or maybe on a Sunday morning, that when I first got saved, I was excited. But I am more excited 30-some years later because I know more than I did in the beginning. And so I know that I have drawn closer to God <laughs> throughout my life as a Christian. And so that, that, that enthusiasm, that excitement um, in my life has not diminished. It's not always been like way up there every day, but that's part of just walking with Christ, that you're up and you're down. But my faith has never changed. I've, I've, I've you know, I, I've been in those places, don't get me wrong, but I've never like walked away from God because, oh, He doesn't love me anymore. No, it's just been constant or consistent. I don't know if that, whichever word we want to use there. But be that as it may, this righteousness is being imparted to me and to you day in and day out. 
It's there. You are being sanctified. If we have identified ourselves with Christ through baptism, as we looked at last week, that is through the death, burial, and resurrection. Now, there is no way that we can ever stay the same because of that. We should not be the same person because of our identifying with Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection. We have become a new creation, the Bible told us. Old things have passed away. So when we say that we are born again, then there should be something that accompanies that. Sanctification. You're being changed continually. For some of us, I mean, we're changed from one day to the next, but there was a continual change that happened. And so that's where we're at here, to where Paul is telling us, encouraging us, that if we are going to identify with Christ, if we have identified in His death, burial, and resurrection, then we can also identify with Him in victory. In other words, we can walk victorious lives. We don't have to walk defeated lives day in and day out as a Christian. There's nothing sadder than looking at a Christian who looks like he's been baptized in in lemon juice. That's his life. He's a miserable mess. It's like, really? Where's the victory? Where's the victory? Because we should be getting changed day in and day out. There should be something happening within us that we are getting more and more excited. Even though this old man is dying day by day, and I'm feeling it day by day, the inner man is being renewed day by day. That's sanctification. That's what we should be doing. We should be just walking in victory because God, or because Jesus had victory over death and over sin, we too can have that victory over sin and over death. And so sanctification means that we have been set apart from the world and set apart for God, which means that this world does not have a hold on me anymore. It does not have a hold on you anymore. If it has a hold on you, and this is what we're going to kind of be covering tonight, it's because we're letting it have a hold on us because there's a choice to be made. And so the world does not have a hold on me, but guess who does? God. God has a hold on you. And so that is where we can have this victory. We have not been forgiven of our sins so that uh, we don't, um, so that we continue to be the same. No, we have been forgiven of our sins so that we can have victory over sin as well. So Romans chapter 1, let's read the whole chapter, or chapter 6, verse 1, sorry. you got to go, going back to chapter 1? It's like, dude, you've been in it forever. Um, verse 1 of chapter 6, we're all there. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin, that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we, who died to sin, live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus uh, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. 
For if we have been, if we have been uh, united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that the old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and as ministers of and, and as members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though... You were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. But just as you presented your members as slaves uh, of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness... So now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God... You have the fruit of holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that amazing? I know that when I read, sometimes I butcher it up here and there, but hopefully you follow along and the just of it all. But I know that last week I did just kind of read over verses 11 through 12 or 13, but let us start in verse 11 once again. As again, he had just been telling them, this is who we are now. We can identify with Christ, not only in his death, but also in his life. He says, likewise, you also. Even so, you also. 
in the same way you also. In other words, you also, you who are called or call yourself a Christian, yes, you also, that means you. We can reckon ourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So because of his death, and we identify with that, because of his resurrection, and we are to identify with his resurrection, because he lives, you also can reckon yourself to be alive. Um, Reckon yourself. The word reckon here does not mean what you think it means. Just... (laughs) Just like, um, well, it, 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 it doesn't mean, well, I reckon. I was in Texas a few weeks ago, South Texas, by the way, but they speak Tex-Mex down there, so it doesn't sound like, like that. Um, but it, it almost, when I was looking, or looking at this word, it kind of just reminded me of John Wayne. Not that I'm a big John Wayne fan, fan but it's just like, I just kept on like, well, I reckon Pilgrim or something like that. It doesn't mean that I reckon or I think or I guess or I suppose. That's not exactly what it means, although it can mean some of that. But it is more of an accounting term. It means to calculate, to, to um, estimate. In other words, it all adds up. And what is being said can be taken to the bank it, it, it adds up. You likewise also reckon yourself to be dead. Just like it reckoned itself or it added up for Christ in that he died and was buried and was raised again. He says, just like we're to identify with that, you put that or, or, or make, calculate it into your account as well. Like, like make it. It adds up. If it all adds up, then it should add up for us as well. We should reckon ourselves to be dead. If we are going to live with Him, that, that means that we should be dead so that we can continue to live. And so, again, it, 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 it adds up. Reckoning is a, a matter of fact that demands action. It demands action because Paul was not telling his readers to feel... As if you are dead to sin. He's not telling them, well, try and understand what it means to be dead to sin. No, he says, you are dead to sin. Period. It adds up. That, that, That if we identify with him, then it adds up. We should be dead to sin. It's not a concept. It's a fact that we should die to sin. That we should identify with him. They were to act on the word of God that they were reading here, these people. And they were to claim it for themselves. Just as Christ died, we are to die to sin. We are to claim that, that we are dead to sin. But just as he is alive, forevermore, we are to claim that as well, that we are now alive to God. That is who we are. We are to be alive for God. Just like it in, in verse 10, where it says, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. 
but the life that he lives, he lives to God. And we are to do the same. We are to account that into our account because it adds up. If it adds up for him, then it should be adding up for us. He says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. In that little sentence there, therefore, do not let sin reign. In, in that little sentence, there are three three-letter words. And one of them popped out to me big time as I was looking at that. Guess which one it was? Huh? Which one? Three. There was three three-letter words. Not let sin. Which one was the one that really popped out? You'd like to think that, but no. It was let. Oh, you said let. Well, I couldn't hear you. You're usually louder than that. Um, <laughs> let. <laughs> that is a true statement. <laughs> let. As I was contemplating this, looking at this, this word let just popped out at me because it says, again, identify with Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection, all those kinds of things um, that we are to reckon ourselves dead. And then it says, therefore, do not let sin reign. Do not let... This is what, what let means. To allow, permit, give permission, agree to, consent to. That's what that word let means. You know what the opposite of let is? Forbid. That's the opposite of let, forbid. And there was other words that went with forbid. Now, it almost sounds like, no, it does sound like, <laughs> we are the ones that have the power to let sin reign in our mortal body, doesn't it? Because of that word let, we are the ones that hold that power. We are the ones that let sin reign in our lives or not let sin reign. The, the word reign here means to exercise the highest influence to control. As, as, as of one who rules and reigns over a kingdom like a king. We are not to let anything or sin reign. We're not to let it do that. We have the ability and the power to say no to sin. Now that's, that, that, that's a pretty hard statement right there. Because I know what a lot of us are thinking, and I have thought this and battled through this even as I was... Like reading here, it's like, ah, then why do I sin and, and I let sin reign time, at times? If, if, if I have the power, well, I think oftentimes it's not because I've forgotten that God is there with me. I ignore that God is there with me. <laughs> and my flesh wants to sin, but I let it sin. Because, again, well, well, we'll get into it a little bit more. But, again, it's like, before Christ, we were made up of body, soul, and spirit. 
We were dead spiritually. And we let our bodies do whatever it, they, they wanted to do. Why shouldn't we? Right? We're the flesh. But after Christ, we are made up of spirit, soul, and body. It's like if it's body, soul, and spirit, we, we've turned it over. And now the spirit is very much alive. And we are to say, no, you're dead, body. You see, we have that power if we are born again. He has given us that ability to have reign over our mortal body to where we say no. Paul says that he beats his body into submission. He disciplined his body to say, no, you're not going to do it. You know, oftentimes when we fast, that's what we're telling our body. It's kind of funny because I was fasting today and um, we were in, in here just before we came out and there were some cookies in there. And, and I, I forgot all about it because <laughs> Mark wanted a cookie. I took a cookie. And it wasn't until we were like worshiping right now. It's like, oh, geez, Lord. Man. Oh. But you see how sneaky the body is? I was saying no to my flesh all day long. All day long. And these pretty little packages, they, they were in. They were amazing looking packages too. Um, all of a sudden, it's like, heck yes. I set my guard down for this sec, this much. Popped it in my mouth. It was good. But see that battle? That battle that, that again, it's like, no, my spirit should have said, stop, no, don't do it. And it probably was doing it, but that cookie was amazing. But see how quickly stuff like that happens? <laughs> yeah, just... Throw out a confession there to you guys. <laughs> we weren't were dead, spiritually speaking, but now we are alive. <laughs> which meant which meant that we did <laughs> I'm like lost now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, man, that was a good cookie. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I've ruined it already. But be that as it may, cancel all that stuff on the recording, man. Make it sound holy. (laughs) Make it sound holy here. Um, (laughs) But again, in our bodies, we hold nothing back from our mortal bodies because we, we obey its lust. And sometimes we don't even want to when we do it. That's how quickly it happens because it is the natural thing to do. And so when we become alive in the Spirit or alive to God, the supernatural thing that we should be doing is obeying those desires, the spiritual desires. And again, guys, I understand it is a battle day in and day out. And, 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 and again, the more we, we draw closer to God, our desire should be to do more of His will and not our will. We understand that we are dying on a daily basis so that we can live, spiritually speaking, on a daily basis. We are going to sin till the day we breathe our last. But we should not be desiring to sin on a regular basis like that. We sin without even trying. So why should we even plan to sin? <laughs> Because it happens. And so, I hope we're getting the idea here that as Christians we have a responsibility to act on what we reckon. We are to act on that, 
on what it adds up to. Because if all that Jesus did on our behalf adds up to victory over sin and death, then shouldn't we continually, constantly, habitually walk in victory over sin and death? We need to. We need to. That should be our aim. That should be our goal. That should be our desire. In that case, or that being the case, verses 13 and 14 are very clear. Very clear. And they give us the response and the direction that we are to take. And it makes a statement in in verse 14 that we can take to the bank and put into our account. I'm going to read it to you through the Amplified. So follow along verses 13 and 14. It says, Do not continue offering or yielding your bodily members and faculties to sin as instruments, tools of wickedness, but offer and yield yourselves to God as though you have been raised from the dead to perpetual life and your bodily members and faculties to God, presenting them as implements of righteousness. Verse 14, For sin shall not any longer exert dominion over you, since you are not under the law as slaves, but under grace as subjects of God's favor and mercy. Oh my goodness. Pretty clear. It is so clear that if we read that every stinking day, every day, to say as I wake up in the morning, I am not going to present myself or present my members as instruments, as tools to unrighteousness, but present myself to God regularly. How different will your life be that day? Again, because we're making choices day in and day out. Every day we're presented with stuff. And without even trying, you're going to sin. So if you present yourself on a regular basis as an instrument to sin, guess what? You're going to sin. You know, and you're going, well, I can't help it. It's like, wait a minute, man. This kind of just takes, takes away all the excuses here that we can use. Because we are to present ourselves as instruments for righteousness day in and day out. And again, people will say, well, oh man, those are hard scriptures. And it's like, I agree, they're hard scriptures, but they're not hard to understand. They are clear, crystal clear. This is what you're to do. And verse 14 makes that statement. For, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because it doesn't have dominion over, over Christ. And guess who lives in you? Christ. And if Christ lives in you, then we sh- don't have to succumb to sin. Again, guys, man, I, I hope you're not thinking that, man, Zeke, are you talking that we should never, ever sin? It's like, yeah, I am talking. Don't ever sin. But when you do, <laughs> but when you do, you come right back and go to 1 John 1, 9 that says, If you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And if you do that a thousand times a day, you do it a thousand times a day. But see, the more you, 
desire to draw closer to, to him, maybe it might be 900 times a day. And maybe it might drop down to a hundred times a day. And the next day it pops back up to a thousand times a day. Guys, it's a battle day in and day out. But you are being sanctified day in and day out, guys. Don't ever forget that. You see, when we get frustrated with ourselves because we're coming to God for the same stupid thing, it seems like, we say, forget it. I just succumb to the flesh. I just let the flesh have its way. It's like, don't do that. It shouldn't have dominion over you any longer. And so verse 15 says, What then? Shall we sin? Because we are under, not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. The question that Paul felt that the readers would, would, would be saying, it almost sounds like the one in chapter, or, or in verse 1. When he talked about uh, grace in chapter 5 and then he gets to chapter uh, 6, verse 1, where, where he says, what shall, we then, what shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? It, it was like, shall we continue in our lifestyle that grace may abound? See, here it's a little different. It's a little different than that one where it says here, uh, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? It almost sounds something like this. Well, since we are not under law, but grace, should we commit an act of sin every now and then so that we can remember that grace? (laughs) Not necessarily a life of sin, but every once in a while. No, certainly not. He, 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 he responds emphatically with certainly not, just like he did last time. He says, God forbid, perish the thought. It is unthinkable that we should say, well, let's just sin every once in a while, just so we can be reminded of the grace of God. <laughs> and it's like, no, no. Because if we are dead to sin, why should we even want to sin every once in a while? I I think that the truth of the matter is, like I said earlier, we are going to sin without even trying. So we shouldn't even plan to go sin. (laughs) Because you're going to repent anyways, right? But it's just a bummer when it's like, man, Lord, and I planned this. And that's when we feel the guilt and the shame that, Lord, I ignored your word because I know your word. Verses 16 through 19. As I read that, it reminded me of a 1979 song by Bob Dylan. Um, he, he had, you know, started walking with the Lord a little bit there. And, and there was a song that was entitled, You Gotta Serve Someone or Somebody. And I got the lyrics and I'm going to sing it to you just like Bob Dylan did. Um, <laughs> but he says this, and I won't. Although I love trying to do it. Um, you may be an ambassador of England or France. You may, you, might, you may like the gamble. You may like the dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. 
It's, it's a long song, so I'm not going to do it all. But there's so much truth in that song. You are going to have to serve somebody. There's no way around that. Jesus said this in, in Matthew 6, 24. No one, no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And that word mammon is the word for money. You can't serve those two masters. Paul is telling the readers, his readers and us, and we should be taking it to heart. Don't you know, he says in verse 16, don't you know? And, 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 and the assertion here or the inference here, the presumption is that you ought to know this. You ought to know that there is going to be a battle for your soul. Maybe you didn't know it when you first came to Christ, but you should know it now a day later. <laughs> That you're now serving a different master. And so it's, it, it's like you need to know. And if you didn't know, well now you do know. That you cannot serve two masters. And you know what? There's always two masters out there. The word present, where he says that you will present yourself. Or do you not know that to whom you present yourself uh, slaves to obey, you are that one's slave whom you obey. That word present means yield. It means to surrender to. So what Paul is getting at is to whom you present yourselves to obey, you are to obey them because you have presented yourself to them. If you present yourself a slave for for sin, then obey it because you presented yourself to it. But if you present yourself as a, uh, uh, a slave to obedience that leads to righteousness, then obey that. But you can't choose or, or, or you can't serve both of them. You have to choose. And, and I put there, notice that there is a choice. There is a choice. It doesn't sound like someone is making that person, person present themselves to either or. It is that person that's making the choice. And so again, it kind of takes away the whole excuse that, oh, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. He might, he might have thrown it out there, but he cannot make you sin. He can't. He just can't do that. He is limited in that sense. Can he tempt you? Absolutely. Is temptation a sin? No. It's doing it that ends up becoming the sin. And so we cannot blame the devil. We cannot blame anybody else but ourselves when we sin. We can't say, well, it's my friends. It's like, stop hanging around with those friends. Oh, but it's just so hard. I don't know. Make a hard choice. And stop doing it. Again, we, we often times put ourselves in situations and say, Lord, help me. And he's going, well, why did you put yourself in that situation? But there's a scripture that says that there's no temptation taking you that is not common to man. But with that same temptation, there will always, I put the word always in there, be a way of escape. There's always a door to, to, to split from, to, to, to leave from. But we often, it's like, I, I don't know where the door is at. It's like, it's right there. It's like, what, what door? 
we like to sin. And so don't blame your friends, your family, whoever they're making me. It's like, no, there's a choice here. Now, if we, I would say, if we are continuously feeding the flesh, then we will not be able to help ourselves. Because if we are doing things for the flesh, that will be our natural inclination. If that's what we're feeding. If we're continuing to feed our, feed our flesh, then well, of course, of course, that's, that's what you're going to do. But if we're continually feeding our spirit, then guess what your natural or your supernatural inclination will be to do the things of God. Again, you, you, you will have this choice. And I think I, we, we, we need to ask ourselves even tonight, what, what, what do you present yourselves to? Who do you present yourselves to on a regular basis? Who are you yielding or surrendering yourself to? And I know that we can always beat up on sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You know, oh yeah, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. No, but, 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 but are you... Surrendering yourself to maybe selfishness? How about anger, laziness? How about popularity and stuff, you know? How about, how about, how about just stuff that, that it's like, well, we never put it in that realm of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's like, man, that's extreme. It's like, no, how about, how about just simple stuff that you bow down to on a regular basis that becomes the, the, the God, the, the master that you bow down to? And again, man, we, we could throw in sports. Ooh, jeez. Man, I could start getting into some things that are, are pointing to myself too. Because there's so many things that we can present ourselves to. And we give ourselves constantly over to them and then we wonder why we're constantly failing and falling and not having victory in our life when we're constantly doing this. If, if we truly present ourselves to God, it doesn't mean that we will never be able to do stuff that is outside the realm of church. Because I think some of you guys are thinking, well, what, you want me to hear every night? It's like, yeah, sure, if you want to be here every night, that'd be cool. Um, but, but, but what I'm talking to is, or talking about is, who are you constantly bowing down to, presenting yourself to? Because God is not a killjoy. He's not saying you cannot go do other things, but sometimes we put those things ahead of God, and so we, we get bummed out that, that we're failing and we're suffering in our walks with Him. And it's like, well, shoot, where have you been? <laughs> what are you doing? And then He says this, but, thank, but God be thanked, verse uh, 17, but God be thanked that though you were slaves to slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. But God be thanked, man. We have been set free. We have been delivered. We can walk in victory day in and day out. We should be walking more in victory than we do in defeats. If you're saying, well, there's a 50-50 thing, it's like, man, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good that if, if 50% of the time you are like defeated, it's like, man, start feeding the Spirit, man. Start feeding the Spirit. 
Do all you can to where you're walking more in the spirit than in the flesh. Because we have been set free. Because we have been sanctified. We, are, we have been, we are being, and one day we will be completely sanctified. And it truly is because we have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, the teachings from the Word of God that have given us the ability to follow after righteousness and to, to say no to the flesh. Because those things of the flesh will lead to bondage. There's a scripture that came to mind in 1 Corinthians 6.12. It says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power or bondage of any. We have been set free to be able to say no to sin. As a slave of righteousness, I could say, no, I don't want to do that. No, you don't, have, you don't have power over me for me to say yes to it anymore. We can refuse to be slaves of sin. We don't have to obey sin. And even though I am free, even though anything or just about anything is lawful for me because I am an adult, <laughs> I can go do whatever I want, when I want, how I want. Uh, don't let my wife hear you say, hear me say that. Um, but I could do whatever I want in that sense. But it's not all good for me to do. Everything's available for me, just like it is to the people out in the world. But I do not want to be brought under the bondage or power of any of that. I battle enough in my stinking head. I don't want to be out there engaged in things that will put me in bondage once again. And so Paul, even as he's talking to them, kind of illustrating this whole thing about being a slave, um, and yet he wanted them to understand that God is not the same kind of master that they might be thinking about that they may have known. But then in verse 19, he says, in the middle of that, he says, just as, for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more unlawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness uh, for holiness. And I like what Paul does here. He says, just as hard as you went after sin, uncleanness, and lawlessness, go just as hard for holiness. Go just as hard. I found this quote that said, I want to be a good, I want to be as good a saint as I was a sinner. I want to be a, as good a saint as I was a sinner. And I find it ironic sometimes that when people get saved, all of a sudden they hold back <laughs> where they never held back in their former life. They went for it. They didn't let nothing slow them down. Nothing. And yet they become Christians and it's like, I'm going to chill. It's like, no, why are you holding back? And you went hard for Satan. Why don't you go hard for God? <coughs> Verse 19 says, I am speaking in, from, oh, in, in the Amplified, I am speaking in familiar term, uh, human terms because of your natural limitations. For as you yielded your body, your body, bodily members and faculties as slaves of, to impurity 
and ever increasing lawlessness, so now yield your bodily members and faculties once for all as servants of righteousness, right being and doing, which leads to sanctification. And I'll read the last few verses here. And he says, verse 20 to 23, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. What fruit did you have in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, there is wages that are doled out for whoever, the, the, this master, the, he will dole out um, wages and they are vastly different. These two masters, they are mutually exclusive, so far apart. And the wages are a matter of life and death. And the wages of sin is death. That's what it is. And it's interesting because you hear people, evangelists out there street, the wages of sin is death, but they never finish it off, man, because they're trying to convict people. It's like, no, but there's a free gift. And that master, God pays with a gift that you cannot work for it. And it is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Tonight, guys, um, I want to celebrate just, just all that Christ has done in our lives. As, as again, I think what we'll do is um, the, the worship team is going to come up here and we're going to pass out some the elements. And I just want you to hold them for a bit. And, and then we're going to pray. And man, what a great opportunity for us to just kind of, not just me pray, but you pray. Not that we're going to like pray about everybody and everything. No, we're going to pray about this whole thing that we have been freed from sin. And it is the, because of the body of Christ because of his broken body that we get to do this. It is because of the spilt blood that we get to worship. And so let's spend that time in prayer as we pass it out that, that you just hold it and then I'll, I'll, I'll throw it out to you guys. You guys pray for the body. You pray for the cup. And so as the men come forward, we'll pass this out. Hold on to it.